But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? It's a good question to ask ourselves. In fact, it's a good question to ask ourselves every day. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? When we hear it, it's so easy to immediately become discouraged. Because we think the whole earth, I'm supposed to be responsible for that? I mean, look at the direction my state is going, my country. Look at the schools, look at the government, look at social media. And we might be paralyzed, feeling, I can do nothing in the face of all of that. The faith seems to be eroding everywhere around me, even within my own family. There might be people who have ceased to believe. What am I to do about that? Well, you have no control over them. But you know, one little piece of earth you do actually have control over. You know what that is? Whatever piece of earth you take up. Right? You, who poetically, God says, were formed from the earth, right? We're a little chunk of earth that can have faith that God can find when he comes. And indeed, he comes. At every single Mass, he comes. And does he find faith in your heart or no? Every day, he comes to you in myriad different ways. Does he find faith? Now, this isn't to guilt you. This is to just lead us into a reflection of what is faith and how can we live it out? How can we answer resoundingly yes to the question of will Jesus Christ Find faith on earth when he comes. We can say with excitement, yes, he'll find it right here. But first, tell me what it is, and then I'll get it. What what is it? Well, Jesus spells it out so beautifully in this parable. What is it in this parable that he shows us? Persistence. This widow should have had no hope in the face of her plight, because this judge was known to be dishonest. He didn't care about the plight of widows and orphans, but she was persistent. She didn't, after the first no, say, okay, I guess it's just not for me to receive justice. I'm just going to go and be trampled upon. No, she kept knocking. She kept bothering him. Sometimes we stop praying because we think we're bothering God. We stop going to confession because we think we're bothering the priest. It's no bother. No, it's a great joy. If you are sincerely fighting your sin, even if you should come, multiple times a month to, to confess that mortal sin, I am overjoyed every single time that you get to receive the mercy of God. Well, it's the same with prayer. Our, our prayers don't bother God. In fact, he's the only one that actually wants to hear every nitty-gritty little detail of our heart. Even our best friend, after a while, as I've said, says, give it a rest. I get it. She cut you off. But with God, he says, yeah, what's going on in that heart of yours? Yeah, it seems like you're really upset about this. Let's look into that. Why are you upset? What's going to do? Do you feel personally threatened by this person? Because I, I want to fix whatever is broken there. I want to heal whatever is wounded. So that's the beautiful thing about God is he cares about all the little details. But our faith only grows if we share those details with him day in and day out. Without prayer, our faith withers and dies. It becomes just a routine of external actions. But with daily, true, heartfelt prayer, our faith grows to where we can have the persistence of that widow. When God says no, we might say, you know what, I'm going to keep knocking until you say yes. And what's beautiful is that after hearing a thousand no's, sometimes you finally realize, 
wait a second, he's right. I actually don't need this thing that I've been asking for. Because God is not a dispenser of cool stuff. He is not a genie that just grants our wishes. He is a good father who wants to transform us rather than just alter our situation. And so we come to him in prayer. What does that prayer look like? I've given examples before of uh, uh, going through your day with the Lord before it starts and then afterwards reviewing it throughout the day, just having these little, Lord, I need your help right here, right now. Or, oh, God, look at how beautiful this is. Thank you. All of that's beautiful. But if all of that seems overwhelming, then just give God three minutes, right? That's less than the commercial breaks on your favorite show, right? So you could just mute And say, okay, God, I'm giving you these three minutes. It should probably be the inverse, but whatever, we'll get there. But you give him that first minute in thanksgiving. Even on your worst day, you can think of some things that you didn't deserve, but God gave you. And then you say sorry. Because there are always going to be ways that you have fallen short. And that's not to be uh, living in this guilt, but it's rather for you to be able to continually be receiving the Lord's mercy. And then the third minute, to ask for what it is that you need with boldness, with trust. So you can give God those three minutes and boom, poof, you have a prayer life. But a beautiful image of what the prayer life is in the life of the Christian we see in the first reading. In that first reading, we see Moses and the Israelites. Moses led them out of Egypt, right? We know that story. And then immediately after they were freed from the slavery of Pharaoh, their life became easy, right? Wait, do you all actually think that their life became easy? Okay, good, good. So you've read your Exodus. Their life became very difficult. It was difficult. It remained difficult. But they were enslaved and they became free. Their difficulty, within it, they were able to have closeness to the Lord. That was the difference. It wasn't whether they had difficulty, but who they could weather that difficulty with. And so we read of this battle with Joshua. Moses said to Joshua, pick out certain men and tomorrow go out and engage Amalek in battle. See, there are still battles to fight. And and, and that's something that we sometimes don't like about the faith is that it does not take away from us the difficulty of life. We still have plenty of difficulty. Whether you believe in God and come to church every Sunday or you have long since rejected him, you're going to have suffering. You're going to have difficulties and trials, misunderstandings and pain. The difference isn't that baptism wipes that away. It isn't that God protects you from anything that will ever hurt you. It's that he gives you the keys to victory in the battle, to final victory over evil in Jesus Christ, but also in the day-to-day to be able to rise above the battles instead of living in your life continually defeated. And the secret of that is the secret that we see here. When was it that Joshua and his forces were victorious? This is an open question. You're allowed to answer. When Moses' arms were lifted up in prayer. Friends, that's exactly the case with us. Our battles, parts of us will always be fighting battles. 
Whether it be with other people, with our own insecurities, with our temptations to sin, there's always going to be a battle to fight. But if part of us is not continually raising its arms in praise and petition before our Heavenly Father, we're going to lose those battles. And by lose those battles, I don't mean lose arguments. I mean have crushed relationships and even more crushed um, relationship with the Lord and with our own selves. But if we keep up the prayer... We have strength for the battle. This isn't just an image of our own interior life. This is also an image of the church. Because there are different roles here. The battle would not be won if there weren't soldiers on the ground fighting it. But it also would not be won if Moses hadn't been raising his hands in prayer. But Moses would not be able to raise his hands in prayer were not Aaron and her there to hold those hands up. And so we can ask ourselves, do I live my life fulfilling my role in the church? Well, first you need to know your role. So what is your role? It's to become a saint. Right? The, the church isn't hurting right now just because of broken institutional structures or just because of scandals or uh, because of a society that is uh, very opposed to Christian teaching. No, no, no. The, the church is suffering right now because not enough of us have Realize that our role is to become great saints. But to be a saint, you have to be a priest or a nun, right? Absolutely not. May there be no nodding heads for that one. No, what we need is more holy plumbers. We need holy line cooks, holy hairdressers. We need holy accountants. We need holy housewives. We need holy retirees. Whatever you are, That's what we need a saint of. And in your particular profession, in your state in life, you have all that you need to be holy, to be saintly, to play that role that that the church needs you to play, to engage in that battle and to lift your hands up in prayer or to hold others' hands up in prayer. There are different times that will call for different postures, but always you need to be engaged in that prayerful battle against evil. And we need to support each other in it. And that's why there are times that you might see someone struggling and you have that choice. Do I heap more burden on them by not trying to have empathy and understanding? Do I just see how they're making my life difficult so I'm going to try and multiply that and give it back to them? Instead of thinking, boy, that person's confused. Or that person is really hurting and I can't even know, begin to understand how. So I'm going to just try to raise her arms up. I'm just going to try to raise his arms up. I'm going to try and support him in reaching out to God as much as I can. You can be Aaron and her for someone and help the battles to be won. But on the flip side, you might be Moses. You might have taken on all the weight and all the burden on yourself. And somebody asks you, are you tired? Do you need help? And you say, no, 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 I've got it. Meanwhile, you've got these drooping hands and you're almost dead. But no, 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 I got it. I got it. I'm perfect. Nope, don't want to be a burden. Be a burden. For the love of God, and I mean that literally, for your love for God and his love for you, be willing to be a burden. Not in the sense of making other people do the basic things for you, but in the sense of allowing yourself to be helped and allowing someone else to exercise charity in helping you. To allow their heart to beat with love for God and for you by raising your hands up so that you can reach out to the Father. But... This image also plays 
at a third level. Not only is it our own life and our own battles, not only is it the the church in general and how we help each other out and receive help from one another, what Moses is doing here is a priestly act, right? He is offering on behalf of the people praise to the Father and petition to him in order to help the people in the battle. If that's not an image of the priest, I don't know what is. We are called to give our lives in order to intercede for you. I exist for your salvation. I realize that I was created for that. And I'm so grateful that I have people like you. Because you all so often and in so many ways lift my hands up. Because they grow tired. Right? I realize sometimes, man, I'm not as good at this priest thing as I thought I was going to be. I realize that I dropped the ball here or there or everywhere. And you all, with patient love, lift those hands up and say, I love you, Father. We're praying for you. Can't tell you how much that means for me. But also, I want to be able to live my life as a, a living sacrifice, a living oblation for all of you. And what's beautiful in this dynamic of priest and people is that it's continued through so many generations. I sometimes thank God for the priests that ministered to my great-great-grandparents because they somehow ministered to me. Down the generations, there have always been priests who have taken up that Moses role. There have also been religious sisters and brothers who have taken on that, that strange but beautiful vocation of saying, I am giving myself entirely to you, Lord, in a radical way. But we see fewer of these vocations today than we did 50 years ago or 100. And we could ask why. Well, I work in the vocations office, so I can tell you why. It's not just because there's a bum in charge of the vocations office. It's also because often families aren't supporting their children in this. God is still calling, but these young boys and girls sometimes have never even met the God who is calling them, and so they don't recognize what that call is. They will devote themselves to all these crazy outlandish movements when really they're just misinterpreting a call to give their lives to the Lord. But then also, those who are clued in, who know who Jesus is, even they are sometimes not supported in that call. Because they have this burden of thinking, no, 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 I've got to make money to take care of my family. Or they might think, no, 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 mom always talks about wanting grandkids, and so I can't do this because I wouldn't give her that which she wants. Nobody loves grandkids more than my mom. <laughs> but she's happy that she gets to be, in a sense, the grandmother of many parishioners. And so the question that I have for all of you is, what are you doing concretely to support vocations to the priesthood and the religious life? Are you praying daily for it? Are you encouraging members of your own family to to be open to that and to actually have the courage to pray every single day, Lord, your will is what I want to do. I want to imagine myself in the various different vocations. Am I called to this? Am I called to that? Sometimes... You have kids who have never even had the thought. And the moment they expressed it, their parents said, no, 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 not that. Can we be a community that is different? That prays ardently for vocations to the priesthood and religious life. And that then supports people. Knowing that they are stepping into that Moses role. And we can lift their hands up as they praise the Father in this particular way. And they pray for us as we engage in the battles that we have. If we do that, 
If we have that daily life of prayer, praying for our own selves and for vocations, then we will be able, when the Lord asks, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? We will be able to answer with a resounding, yes, he will find faith in this heart.